SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk cricket now. Bangladesh lasting uh, oh, a little over an hour on the uh, final day. They lost seven wickets for 41 runs to uh, lose by 333 runs to South Africa. Well, let's get the views of uh, cricket co- co- commentator and correspondent Natalie Jamalis. Natalie, thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks very much. Yeah, 83 minutes they lasted. In fact, and that uh, was a pretty poor performance. Followed up their lowest total against South Africa. A poor performance from Bangladesh, but convincing win then for South Africa. But how important for for Otis Gibson to get off to a positive start? Yeah, it, it is very important. And he, he really has done his homework coming into this test match. He spent a lot of time with the guys. He's watched the domestic side of it as well. He, he even said that he's been watching the rugby as well. He feels like <laughs> now he's part of the South Africans and supporting the Springboks. He said he didn't want to talk about it, but he was watching it. <laughs> then South he, African, he feels, yes. Yeah, he, he does feel like he's done his homework and he's really enjoying um, actually the challenge of everything that's ahead. He knows that Bangladesh are not going to be his toughest opposition this summer for sure. But it is about giving the guys confidence. Being a, a, They want to get convincing wins in these types of games. And so far, so good for him and the team. Okay, a couple of highs and lows for South Africa. Of course, aside from that wonderful victory, was uh, Maharaj getting to 50 wickets quicker than, uh, than even Shane Warne and amongst the quickest ever for South Africa. Yeah, it is a, a really good from his point of view because it just shows you that he is growing all the time as a spinner, even though he's still very new to test cricket. He's in his 12th match. And from his point of view, obviously, it'll just do the world of good for his confidence that he keeps taking wickets all the time. He struggled a bit in the first inning to find his consistency despite picking up three wickets. He just didn't quite get it 100% right. But in the, 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 the last inning, he exploited the conditions beautifully, and he got a lot of turn and bounce and a lot of variation as well. And Bangladesh, who are good players of spin, struggled against him. Yeah, so the, the, uh, the, the sour taste, though, I suppose, is also on a bowling note because uh, Mornay Morkel's injury is, uh, is of concern. I mean, what does that do to the bowling options now when you consider that Dale Steyn is not around, Vernon Finland is not around, Chris Morris? I mean, these are all players that are already unavailable. Yeah, it's a big worry for South Africa. One, because obviously we've got a depleted attack, as you already said, but also Mone Moko has been bowling really well since his return from that major back injury that he had in New Zealand, in England. He has been bowling absolutely superbly. He's finally found a really good link in that he's just got a touch touch fuller, and it's working so well for him. So he will be sidelined for four to six weeks. The side strains are very difficult to actually get them to heal. All you can do is rest, and it takes some time. So South Africa have chosen to bring in Dane Patterson, who has had already some experience with the side in the limited overs format, and he's been playing really well in the domestic some sort of series in the first two rounds. He's, he looks like he's in good form, and the wicket in Bloemfontein is expected to be green and to move around. So it could be interesting to see what he can do with his extra bit of pace. Yeah, I don't begrudge Dane Patterson an opportunity. I think uh, I think he's uh, he's probably earned that. But uh, but I'll tell you that side strain. It's it's one of those injuries where when you're coming back, I can confirm that uh, you, you for six months afterwards you doubt that your your body can actually handle the the pressures you're you're going to be putting it under. And, and what I do in gym and what Mona Morkel does on the pitch, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a lot more intense. So I hope that psychologically he can get over it. But uh, I want I want to ask you this, uh, Natalie. I mean, is this a case of success breeds success? Uh, you know, if, if we win the second test against Bangladesh as well, and we 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 have that sort of making a habit of winning heading into the India series, or is there a danger of overconfidence with big wins over Bangladesh that might lead to, I dare say, complacency over you know Virat Kohli's team? Because that's that's for me a, a bit of a concern. 
I don't think Fafu Bessie is the type to ever allow that, and I certainly don't think Otis Gibson would be either, because he's he's not necessarily a harsh coach, but he's a, he's very good on discipline, and Fafu Bessie is too. So I think their partnership together could really work very well if they find a way to gel, of course. They still don't know each other that well. Now they've got to find a way to gel. And I don't think Fafu Bessie would allow any kind of complacency, because that's just not in his nature, and it's certainly not in his leadership either. He's already shown that he is, quite ruthless. Um, so far in his, his tenure as captain, he's declared an inning six times in the second inning to set the, the other team a target. And South Africa's won all of those by massive margins. So he, his tactics are clever. He knows how to set it up for his bowlers as well and give them all the opportunities to make sure they can go for the win. He reads the conditions really well. And so far, so good from that point of view for him. But I can't see him ever allowing any kind of complacency and I think with quite a bit of youth in the side, I think that will actually nullify any complacency as well. Natalie, one last thing. Uh, the pitch, I don't suppose, was exactly what South Africa would have wanted in Potchestrum. Bloemfontein, how do they change that? How do they uh, speak kindly to the groundsmen? Well, um, we are hearing from uh, a couple of sources. The groundsman at Nicobatorius is setting something up that looks quite green at the moment. Obviously, there's still a lot of work to be done on it. It has to be cut. It has to be rolled. It has to be everything. And that, that, that takes a little bit out of it. It will be watered as well. So it will be interesting to see what does happen. It, it does depend a lot on the weather. It was, it's obviously been very dry leading up to the Potter's Drum test match. So that didn't help the groundsman either. But we're expecting that it could be a green top possibly and mm. hopefully have a little bit of pace. Yeah, Nico Pretorius was a quick bowler, so uh, soon as he's got to set up nicely for that. I wouldn't mind, but it's uh, a pity that our uh, fast bowlers are generally depleted in this uh, selection. That's it. Real opportunity for others. Natalie, thanks so much. Uh, go and enjoy the, uh, the half a day that you had off. Thank you very much. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk rugby now. The Springboks and the Wallabies, of course, playing to another uh, rugby championship draw. 27 all in Bloemfontein on Saturday. Oh, well, on the line to talk uh, more about uh, this uh, performance and indeed broadly on the uh, Springboks, Lloyd Bernard of uh, Sport24, Sport24 columnist. Lloyd, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the draw first. Up. Let's get that out of the way. I mean, it's often been likened to kissing your sister, but how do you break down Saturday's match? Yeah, I mean, I guess for, for the neutral, um, you know, it was an exciting game of rugby. Um, both sides kind of taking the lead and, and losing it at various stages throughout the 80 minutes. Um, you know, and both coaches afterwards as well, saying that they kind of felt a bit hard done by Michael Checker. The Wallabies coach um, felt that his side did enough to win the game, felt a bit hard done by the referee. And Alistair Kassir as well, you know, obviously you know, bitterly disappointed with the draw and obviously Elton Yankees with with that chance with just two minutes to go to to win it. So I think uh, nobody really left satisfied. Really left, left satisfied. Um, but yeah, I suppose, uh, you know, a draw is better than going down because if, if the box had lost that game, it would have been, um, you know, disastrous. Yeah, I, I think one of the other talking points is something you didn't touch on uh, is, is, is the uh, Israel Falau grabbing Dylan Leitz by the hair uh, incident. But uh, I think the part that shocked me was Eben Hitzabet's reaction again. I mean, especially considering he's Springbok cap- captain. What, what, what did you make of, of that? And how do you feel about the entire incident and how it was handled? Yeah, I mean, certainly one of the, the big talking points to emerge out of the game. Look, for me... Um, you know, the fact that there were no cards issued, um, I think, was the wrong decision. I mean, for me, it, uh, two yellow cards would have made sense. Uh, you can't pull a guy down by the hair. 
um, in any sport. And the fact that Israel Salah has done that, he, he should have received a heavier punishment. But then, like you say, I mean, even if it's running in and flying in with an elbow, um, you know, whether he made contact or not, the, the intent was there. Um, so, I mean, for me, I think it should have been uh, a penalty to the box for the for, for the initial infringement from Falao, um, and then the penalty should have been reversed for Etzebeth's retaliation, and in my book, both players, um, you know, should have seen yellow. Oh, I love it when we agree on something, but let's talk about the season, though, a little more broadly, okay? Is this a season that we, 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 we look at and say, okay, the Springboks have only lost once so far this season, or, or, or is this a season that should be remembered for being one in which we failed to beat Australia and suffered our heaviest ever defeat to the All Blacks with that 57? How do, you, how do you rate the season? Do we forget about the French and Argentina tests, and how do you sum it up? Yeah, it's difficult because these draws aren't really helping us. Um, you know, uh, a draw in Australia is an improvement on last year's result there where we lost. Um, but a draw at home against them, obviously we won in Pretoria last year, so so that's not an improvement. I mean, look, I don't think we should uh, discount what happened against Argentina and, and France. I think uh, the box in those five games certainly showed a lot of improvement, um, and there certainly was a lot of optimism surrounding the side at the beginning of the year. I think the big the big disappointment this year is that 57-0 loss um, in Albany. You know, it's hard to get over that, the worst result in the history of Springbok rugby. Um, you know, and regardless of what you do in your other games, when you get hammered that badly, it's going to be tough to convince anyone that's, that you're on the right track. I mean, we certainly haven't closed the gap on the All Blacks. So if, you know, they're just getting further and further away. Um, and I think actually the, the, the end of year tour is going to, you know, decide whether or not this has been a successful, um, season or not, because, you know, no one's really realistically be expecting the, the box to win on Saturday. Um, but if they run New Zealand relatively close and then deliver the goods on the end of year tour um, and leave with you know two or three losses for the season, then then that must be considered a success given what happened in 2016. Yeah, I I, I I'd go with you on that. Although I I I do find it interesting that how many people I, I know a couple of people have mentioned it, but you know Jake White's box lost 49 nil to Australia in 2006, went on to win the 2007 Rugby World Cup. But in a sense, uh, I suppose you could see things were heading in the right direction. I'm not convinced they're necessarily mm-hmm. heading in the right direction uh, or the, the direction that many would want this the side to be heading in now. And as you say, the the All Blacks are just on a, a different level. In 2007, they weren't quite where they are now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding SA rugby at the moment. You know, the the fact that Rassi Erasmus is joining at some point. Yes. And we don't know exactly when. Um, the uncertainty surrounding uh, the future of Brendan Fenter, who's obviously contracted to Italy for the World Cup. And, you know, the reports last week uh, linking Johan van Kahn to Munster. Uh, so that are, those are quite significant changes in terms of the backroom staff and the coaching staff. Um, and we don't know exactly what page we're all going to be on um, come the beginning of next year once once Rusty has arrived and he's, you know, started to do things the way that he wants to, to do them. We don't know what it means for Alistair just yet. Um, and I suppose that's the difference. You know, we can plan all we want, and Alistair talks a lot about processes and planning and development. Um, but if, you, if you're not certain what your, your backroom staff is going to even look like, then, then it's difficult to really buy into, into this, you know, long-term planning. Yeah, I think that's uh, ridiculously disruptive for uh, Alistair Katsia, and I, I, do, I suppose it has impacted significantly on, on how people will uh, react to his, his tenure. But overall, when, when you look at this match coming up against uh, the All Blacks on, on, on Saturday, I know five of their players have already arrived in South Africa early, so it's maybe an indication that they are taking it relatively seriously. They are going to put out a strong team. Uh, what are you expecting mm. from the Springboks, and how, what will be, in your view, 
uh, a decent achievement come the end of this uh, this weekend's game? Look, they have to start well. Um, they have to get points on the board early, and, and they have to stay in the game for as long as possible. Um, you know, the All Blacks are known for the last 20 minutes, um, you, you know, just running away with matches, and then that might be the case again on Saturday. Uh, Alistair said today that he's, you know, not going to change the, the the philosophy in terms of the way that he went out against Australia, so we can expect the box to to run a lot again, um, which can be dangerous when, when, when taking on the All Blacks, especially given the errors that they made on Saturday. I mean, if you cough up ball like that against the All Blacks, you're going to get badly hurt. Um, so they must look after the ball better. Um, they must stay in the game for as long as possible. So hopefully at half time there's not a hell of a lot in it. Um, you know, 50, 60 minutes if they're still in touching distance. Um, I think that should be the aim. And, and look, I mean, if, if, if they run the All Blacks close and, and give the Cape Town crowd something to get excited about, then I think that'll be considered a success. But what we don't want is for the match to be over after 20 minutes. I think that'll just be depressing. I mean, these, you know, guys are going to be paying 900, 950 rand for, mm. for tickets at the stadium. And, you know, they, they deserve at least a, a contest. Um, so I think it's crucial that we, that we give them that. I just worry about the fact that they haven't taken this game to altitude, and that's a great concern for me. That's it. Uh, Lloyd Bernard, uh, Sport24 columnist, thank you for your opinions and insights tonight. No worries. Thanks for having me. SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader, love uh, football, always plenty to talk about with football and always plenty to watch. Not always the uh, most positive results. Uh, I know certain fans uh, want certain teams to win all of the time. It's not going to happen. It's football. Uh, things change, certainly. But uh, I'll tell you what, we've got a man who can uh, try to summarize some of what we've seen over the past weekend and look forward as well. We've got uh, Mazola Malev from Independent Newspapers on the line. Mazola, thanks uh, for joining us. Good evening. Yeah, good evening, Dan, and good evening to your listeners. Can I start at the EPSA Premiership here? I mean, for Barocca to beat Chiefs has is, is, is become a bit of a habit, and this is no offence to Kaiser Chiefs, this is uh, credit to Barocca. But for Barocca to be top of the table is almost unthinkable. They've got 15 points in seven matches for a team that made 28 in 30 games last season. What's changed? I think it's, it's the general approach of the club. I think they were, they were humbled uh, by by by. by by being in the big league with the big boys in their rookie season, uh, <clears throat> and and you know the the, the chairman uh, has often come out uh, to say they they learned valuable lessons from from their first season and then in the top flight, you know, uh, from hiring and and, and and firing coaches and uh, redeploying and and demoting coach Holupe Tobazani and all of that. And and I must say, I think you know even even um, the chairman, the CEO, and the board, their recruitment policy. After that close brush with, with relegation was much improved, uh, uh, better than, than 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 some of the some of the top clubs in, in, in this country as well. I mean, they were they were shrewd. They they got bargains. Uh, they got players that that you know, uh, for instance, as Pelelin Jangas, who she's were hesitant to sign because apparently he got a, a serious uh, underlying injury and all of that. And they they spent two billion and bought him from from uh, Black Leopard, and then. You know your Lewis Lewis Marchers, your Virgil uh, Freeze in, in, in the goalkeeping department. So they were quite clever in how they were recruiting players. Um, you know the general consensus is that they're not going to hold on to the top spot for for for, for too long. Uh, but I'd say you'd have you'd have to, to 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 give them credit. I think it's it's, it's not a fluke that they're top of the lock, but because they started well and and they they planned well from from the start of the season. 
Yeah, teams talk about saving themselves at the start of the season. I tell you what, Baruch is well on their way there. I mean, they're halfway to safety with seven games down. But I want to talk about the bottom of the log as well. I mean, Platinum Stars' bottom of the log is surprising enough. But defending champions, Bitvest Vitz, yeah. 15th. I mean, what do you make of this relegation zone? Yeah, I think, you know, to start off with the defending champions, obviously it was unexpected. But I think, you know, uh, there's been questions that whether the coach, you know, obviously tried too hard to, to bring to you know, to quickly get the, the new players to, to settle into the team. I mean, if you're a coach and you bring in top signings, uh, you know, uh, Amir Gama from, from, from Alahi, you know, you, you bring in a Steven Pinar, although he's in his, the twilight of his career, but he's still a, a top player. You bring a Dalen Klaas in. You know, those are the guys that, you know, they would possibly walk into any team in the, in the, in the previous soccer league. So, you know, if you're a coach, you, you have to sort of bet your new signings because you can't bring them to put them in the stands. And I think that's, that's what Gavin tried to do. And, and it, it, it obviously backfires. In hindsight, it has backfired. If, if, if it had worked out, it would have been a master stroke. And, and he's possibly tempered with a, with a winning formation by sidelining some of the guys that were, had, had done the job for him in the previous season. You know, and because they started off poorly, he then was forced to chop and change at will to try and get a winning formation. So uh, I think that's, that's what's at the heart of that. Possibly he could have lost the, 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 the dressing room, maybe. No, I'm, not, I'm not too sure of that, but it's, it's evident that uh, something's not right at Bitless Fitz at the moment. And Platinum Stars, I think, I think it's one of those, if you, if you don't plan well enough in, 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 at the beginning of the campaign, you plan to fail and you set yourself up for, for a relegation scrap. And that's what they've done, you know. You know the club, the rumors of the club being 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 bought out or being sold. You know, um, getting uh, Peter Butler, who I personally never rated as as a coach to to come here and and, and do a job. And you know, after two games he was gone. Now Roger decides not had a preseason and he's coming and had to try and change change their luck. So I think those are the, some of the dynamic dynamics uh, you know um, uh, hurting the, the clubs at the bottom of the table at the minute. It was interesting what you said about Bitvest Fitz and, of course, the big names coming in. But, of course, that's been uh, relatively successful for Cape Town City. They've brought in somebody like uh, Victor Benner. He's come in. He's made an impact with his second uh, start, getting a goal uh, over the weekend as well in the uh, in the Cape Derby. Uh, they've got mm-hmm. players like Teko Morise, Ayanda Patosi, players that have uh, walked into the site. And they've slotted in really well. Um, in a sense, is there a, a situation where you look at them and say they're doing well in the league, they're into the final of the MT8. Do other teams have an excuse considering this team has managed to uh, bring players in, familiarise them with conditions, get themselves into uh, a pretty good flow and cohesion when they were established a little over a year ago. Yeah, I think the, that's the, that's the thing. Dwayne. With with Cape Town City, I think you know you, you had an opening goma uh, uh, sideline pretty early, and some of these signings were, were not bought or brought in. Um, um, just a couple of weeks before the season started, you know, uh, they they already had a preseason with Coach Benny McCarthy, and and they and, and they didn't lose their so-called big name players. I think maybe that that's the distinction I would make between um, them and Big Uh They've still kept a lot, a, a big group of those players, and, and now you know possibly it's, it's egos, the, the coach is struggling to to find. Uh, yeah, a way to, to sort of get them to all play together at the same time with with Benny McCarthy, you know, having you know having had having been such a big personality himself as a player, I think he, his man management has possibly been one of the 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 the, the, the cornerstones of, of how well K 
Cape Town City are doing. And I think, you know, add to that the fact that with Lebo Manyama gone, you know, a replacement was, was brought in. And they were, I think they were short up front, especially because Manyama is gone. They injured uh, to, to Obring Goma. And I think also, you know, Majoro wasn't doing that well at the start of the season, but has been given a chance by Coach Benny as well. And they are continuing from that rich, rich reign of form uh, from, from the previous season. And at the same time, you know, the only big player, if I can call it that, that they lost was Coach Eric Tinkler. But they, they pretty much managed to hold, to hold on to hold on to, to the core of the team. And, you know, it, it's working at the moment. You know, I think with, with, um, with games coming thick and fast, you know, and then Coach Benny trying to, to rotate as well. Remember, he tried to rotate against Kaiser Chiefs. And, and, you know, that resulted in two back, back-to-back defeats against Chiefs and Orlando Pirates until, you know, they picked themselves up in that controversial game against Bulukwa the City as well. So, you know, it, yeah, different dynamics uh, for, for, for different teams, uh, but I think that's, that's pretty much the dynamics around uh, those selections. Yeah, interesting what you said about Eric Tinkler. I'd love to talk to you about him and what he's doing with Supersport United. Hope they can make the final of the CAF Confederation Cup. But time against us, Mazola, thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Dwayne. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, let's uh, look straight into the Bafana Bafana situation. Bafana can continue to struggle with injuries. And uh, Stuart Baxter this morning confirming a late call-up of uh, Cape Town City's Robin Johannes to replace his uh, captain, Tulani Klatuayo. Uh, knee problem for Tulani Klatuayo. So Baxter has uh, the opportunity perhaps to go for a back four as uh, Mato is suspended. And Ramachlan Bachelet is also sidelined by injury for the next four months. So for Stuart Baxter, this is not an ideal way to start preparing for the critical 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifier against Burkina Faso. The issues surrounding the squad I can touch on. Tower, obviously, as we know, there's, uh, he's, he's, he received an extra an extra game ban, and so he's unavailable. Captain Tyson has also been withdrawn. Vitz have, uh, have confirmed that he won't be available. The replacements for them will be Madisha and Robin Johannes. There's many opinions about who we can call up and what. That. The call-ups may be based also on the fact that our friendly game has been cancelled. So there'll be a, an internal 11 v 11 afterwards for me, after when we've done our recuperation after the Burkina Faso game. We'll do an internal game for me to monitor all the players. So that has also affected the, uh, the replacements. There's also some doubts about Andy Jali and Bradley Krobler who are carrying some injuries. They may not train with the team at uh, Orlando Stadium, but Baxter has revealed that Tumilin Kune is carrying a slight knock, but he's confident he will be available for the game. We have Bradley, Bradley Krobler has got a, a groin issue that we think is manageable, and therefore he will, he will do normal training. Andy Jali is a bit more of an issue because he dislocated his shoulder. We don't know how severely, but we will be doing an MRI on it. He, had, he continued and he played the full game, but this is the third time it's happened and uh, they've asked us if we can do an MRI to estimate the, the severity of the damage done this time. And Ely will, will only be with the strapping running in straight lines this, uh, this afternoon, so he won't be doing a full training. And that's, that is a worry because we don't know if he's going to be fit or not. Itu, to a lesser extent, has also got a shoulder injury, uh, but Itu will be, will be uh, that's one we can manage, we think. Well, following back-to-back losses against Cape Verde last month, there have also been reports of ill-discipline that crept in in Durban following the second game. But Baxter says he's meeting the players tonight and that he'll go through the new 24-hour code of conduct for the senior national team. We will be having a meeting tonight. The meeting will be, first of all, to debrief completely 
the uh, the Cape Verde games, and tomorrow morning we'll be looking at brief in the the Burkina Faso game. It's a complete new code of conduct, and uh, the players will receive that. It's not completely new to them, but it will be a, a much more extensive one, and there will be a presentation uh, named the 24-hour professional. No, I don't think so, really. It's, it's basically reminding people that we are 24-hour professionals nowadays. We're not only... When I played in England, we were two-hour professionals. We, we came, we trained, and we worked really hard, then everybody went to the pub. You know, that's where your professionalism stopped. It's become 24 hours now because the, the demands on our job are so much so heavy that if you're not 24 hours prof- professional that you just can't keep up with the, the rigours of the modern game or you underachieve and I think the 24 hour professional is a, a good way of labelling what we want from our South African uh, players both national and international You're listening to Sport on SAFM the next best thing to being at the game uh, coming up to the uh, the top of the show, just a reminder, though, that Bafana Bafana, bear in mind, following the Senegal uh, match that's been ordered uh, to be replayed by FIFA, that uh, South Africa currently sit only on one point in the uh, in, in their group. Uh, Senegal, though, are one point then behind Cape Verde and uh, Burkina Faso, who currently lead the way. But uh, three matches to go then for South Africa and Senegal, and two matches to go for Burkina Faso and Cape Verde, so critical for all teams involved. That said, that's all we've got time for tonight. Uh, do stay tuned. Lady Muleo is up after the news with the talk shop so don't go anywhere but from the uh, team tonight producer Siobhan Chetty me Dwayne DeLocker have a lovely evening cheers it's 7 o'clock